This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. There is certainly a word from the Lord this morning. And the scripture that was read to your hearing came from the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, which I will read again so that we're all on the same page. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. It is with the scripture in mind I have titled this message this morning simply into the catcher's hands. Into the catcher's hands. Let us pray. Gracious God, I thank you. Lord, I have studied, I have prepared, but Holy Spirit, come and preach this word. I surrender my will and my all into the catcher's hands. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, for you are truly my rock and my redeemer. Speak, Lord, for your children are listening. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I'd like to start off this morning telling you a story as told by a man by the name of Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen was a Dutch Catholic priest, a professor, a writer, a theologian, and his primary interests were rooted in psychology, pastoral ministry, social justice, and community. And in this story, Henry is having a conversation with his father. And it begins like this. I went to the circus four years ago with my father, who was 88 years old. In Germany, you went to the circus. And there were lions, and there were tigers, and there were elephants, there were giraffes, and there were clowns. And I was quite bored. But then there were five trapeze artists who were jumping in the air and having this incredible dance in the air. And I said, Dad, now I know what my real vocation was. I wanted to be a trapeze artist. And in the intermission, I went and I said, I'm not going to look at the lions and the tigers. I'm going to go talk to the trapeze artist. And I did. And I said, you guys were great. And they looked at me and one of the artists said, Well, would you like to come tomorrow to our practice session? And I did. Then he said, you want to come for dinner in our caravan? And I did. And he said, you want to travel with us for a week? And I did. 
And you want to have your own caravan and join us? And I did. And I became a close friend. And I traveled all over Germany on my vacation with these trapeze artists. They have five flyers and two catchers. And they are called the Flying Rodleys because the leader is Rodley. One day as I was sitting in the caravan, and Rodley says, Henry, let me tell you something. I'm a flyer and I make all these triples. And I go and here's the pedestal, I go off the pedestal on my bar, and I let go of the bar and everybody applauses. But you know who the real hero is? The catcher. As a flyer, I must have complete trust in my catcher. The public might think that I am the great star of the trapeze, but the real star is Joe, my catcher. He has to be there for me with split-second precision and grab me out of the air as I come to him in the long jump. How does that work, I said. The secret, Rodley said, is that the flyer does nothing and the catcher does everything. When I fly to Joe, I have to simply stretch out my arms and wait for him to catch me and pull me safely over the apron behind the catch bar. You do nothing, I said? Nothing, Rodley said. And Rodley said, the worst thing the flyer can do is try to catch the catcher. I'm not supposed to catch Joe. It's Joe's task to catch me. If I grab Joe's wrist, I might break them, or he might break mine, and it will be the end for both of us. A flyer must fly, and a catcher must catch. And the flyer must trust with outstretched arms that his catcher will be there for him. You see the flyer, but you see the catcher just waiting to catch the flyer. When I read this story and I looked at this picture a few times, I was taken back. Because you know, when I was younger and I used to go to the circus, my attention was always focused on the flyer as they performed the most spectacular doubles, triples, quadruples, and thinking this was what made the performance spectacular. But what makes the performance spectacular are the catchers who are there for them at the right time in the right place. In order for such a performance to take place between the flyer and the catcher, as Rodley mentioned, trust is needed. The flyer must have complete trust in the catcher, which after reading this story made me raise the question, what is required to trust the catcher? Brothers and sisters, it is with this question in mind I'd like for us to dive into the scripture for today. Whenever Pastor Marriott does Bible study, and depending on what book we're using, and every single time he reminds us what the purpose of that particular book is so you can get a better understanding and grasp what's really going on in the book. So with that said, the main purpose of the Gospel of Matthew is to prove that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Matthew wrote specifically to the audience of Jews, 
to prove that Jesus is their Messiah. He does this primarily by showing how Jesus in his life and ministry fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus was at the beginning of his ministry. He preached in Galilee. Jesus chose his disciples and they began following him. Jesus delivered his epic sermon. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. He followed that up with miraculous healings. He heals the man with leprosy. He heals the centurion's servant. He heals Peter's mother-in-law and many others. And he teaches about the cost of following him. And at this point, after all this has taken place, what usually happens is there's a crowd that forms around Jesus. We, call, we all can understand, you hear about this man doing all these miraculous things, and we come out, not because we necessarily believe it, but we want to be so curious that we want to see for ourselves. Who is this man that is doing all of these things? And now we get to the text for today. And Jesus indicates to the disciples they need to get across the other side. So Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples, and they start their journey across the lake. Many of you, it might say the Sea of Galilee, but the Sea of Galilee is really a big body of water. That's why it's mentioned as a lake. One thing I want us to recognize here is the disciples have been following Jesus, walking beside him, talking to him during this time, and seeing the miracles he had performed. I can imagine that there is a bond that is forming between Jesus and the disciples. Which brings me to my first point. What is required to trust the catcher? First thing that is required is the building of a relationship. The building of a relationship is a process. The more time the disciples spent with Jesus, the better acquainted they became with him. The more time we engage and are around people, the more we get to know them. When the disciples had left it all to follow Jesus, they were ready and willing because they knew of him and they knew about his mission. So you can imagine that in the story I shared with the flyer and the catcher, it took some time for them to build their relationship before Rodley could allow Joe to catch him. There is an aspect of building a relationship where you begin to feel safe. And I'll go further into this in my next point. So as we move on, the disciples of Jesus are on their way, and then Matthew tells us, suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake. The waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Let me tell you this. The storm came out of nowhere, and it was not a small storm. Now, understand, a typical boat on the lake was relatively small. It could hold up to about 15 people. And the boat that Jesus used to cross the lake was probably about the same size. Normally, it would take a couple hours to get on the other side. So the disciples are on the small boat with Jesus. Then out of nowhere, unexpectedly, the storm begins. And in different versions of the Bible, they describe the storm more like an earthquake. 
So can you imagine how powerful the storm was? The storm was so great that the boat was being covered with waves. What I find interesting in this passage is that most of the disciples were fishermen. Most of the time when a storm is coming, fishermen usually are aware of this. And so now they probably wouldn't have gotten on the boat if they saw the storm coming. But now they're out here. They're on this lake. Jesus is there. Jesus is sleeping. And now the water is filling the boat. They are caught by surprise. Jesus is sleeping. <laughs> the disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Which brings me to my next point. What is required to trust the catcher? The building of a relationship. Then you need the trusting of that relationship. The disciples panicked. But what's interesting is, you would think, why would they panic? Jesus had already demonstrated that he has the power and authority over illness and diseases, as well as over demonic powers. He has healed the sick. He has cast out demons. But the disciples panicked and were afraid. They didn't do a very good job of trusting Jesus in this relationship at this point. And in them not doing and not trusting really made me love this verse. And I'll tell you why. Because we are the disciples. We have heard about Jesus and what he's done. We've read about what he has done in his word. We have seen miracles he has performed through people. Yet, when the storms of our lives are flying all around us, we panic. We panic. And the reason I love this text so much is because in their panic and their fear, they knew they needed a savior. And they went and woke him up. They knew what they needed and who to go to, even though they didn't trust everything that was going on. But in that moment, brothers and sisters, they went and said, Lord, save us. That to me is already a little prayer that most of us pray. Lord, save us. A savior is one that brings us safety. They knew they needed safety at that moment. And they went to go wake up Jesus because they knew that he had what they needed at that moment. And usually in a relationship that is building, you begin to know the individuals that you can go to according to your needs. And Jesus responded, <laughs> why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. <laughs> what amazes me here, amazes me in this, is the fact that while the storm is taking place and it's going on, Jesus doesn't rebuke the storm, but he chastises the disciples. So can you just imagine? Usually when everything calms down, 
Then we hear from our parents or whoever it is, like, this is what we should have done. But I'm going to correct you in the midst of what's going on. Jesus tells them, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. He didn't say that they didn't have faith, but rather they didn't have enough faith. And they had been traveling with Jesus up to this point. And the two chapters prior to that, Jesus literally told them, for this reason, in Matthew 6, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? So Jesus had already preached that to them. He had performed all these miracles. They had seen him, for lack of a better word, in action, being who he is. And then we get on this boat, and the storm passes by, and panic sets in. And in the midst of the storm, Jesus is like, yeah, why are you afraid? <laughs> Look at all that I have already, this is my words now. <laughs> Look at all that I've already done for you. Not for you, but I have allowed you to see who I am and what I can do. Do you not think, even though I am asleep, I don't all know what's going on? I'm aware of everything. I created all of this. Do you not think that I can put a stop to it? Jesus wants us to trust him to be the savior at all times. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the catcher in our lives. He stretched out his arms on that day on Calvary's cross to become more than we could ever have needed because of his love for us. And on that third day, he rose again to provide us with the hope that can only be found in him. In verse 27, it says the disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Which brings me to my final point. After building of a relationship, and after the trusting of the relationship, we've got to trust the process. You see, the disciples were amazed that even the wind and the waves obey him. Often in order for us to trust Jesus more and have a deeper level of faith, we must have our own encounter with him. And this was something that disciples had to experience for themselves. They had to go through the storm. We have to go through our storms so we can see for ourselves who Jesus is as he works on our behalf. If he commanded the wind and the waves, he can command everything else that comes into our lives. His call to us in the midst of the flying double, triple, and quadruple storms, 
We must trust him to have absolute control over all that comes our way and to lean on him as our strong and all-sufficient help. We must surrender ourselves and our will into the catcher's hand. And brothers and sisters, in order for us to do this, you must build on the relationship. You've got to trust the relationship. And you've got to trust the process. So we'll give, will you give all of yourself and surrender into the catcher's hands? Amen.